Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of John. If you don't have a a Bible this morning and would like one, you can just slip your hand up and one of our ushers will bring you one. Or you could uh, just scoot over and look uh, over the shoulder of the person next to you, I'm sure. Perfectly fine if you don't have one. We're in the book of John this morning. If you don't know where it is, it's kind of near the back part of the Bible. So go to the middle and start heading towards the back and you'll hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to look at John chapter 20 this morning. Well, it's a joy to be with you this Easter Sunday morning. As most of you have now heard, Easter is the day of the year when the Christian church has historically celebrated the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter is a celebration of his resurrection. Uh, You know, I grew up in kind of going to church services. I know many of you didn't, but I did. And I don't think I I really understood uh, for quite a few years that that, uh, Easter was about the resurrection of Christ. And I know there are other people who don't fully understand that either. Russell Smith tells a story He tells a story about a minister who once gave a brief children's message in a Sunday morning Easter service like this, and the children all gathered around him up front, and he asked the children, what's Easter all about? And one little boy quickly said, well, Easter is the day when I wake up to find a basket of jelly beans and a big chocolate bunny. And a little girl piped up and said, well, Easter is the day when I get to wear a a pretty dress and I get to look for colorful eggs. And finally, a little boy who was typically pretty quiet, he raised his hand and he said, Jesus died on the cross. And they put him in a tomb and rolled a stone in front of it. And on Easter Sunday, the stone was rolled away and Jesus came out and the minister was uh, surprised and was just getting ready to congratulate the little boy for his answer when the boy said, and if Jesus sees his shadow, he runs back in and we have six more weeks of winter. (laughs) Just a little confused as to what Easter's all about. No, Jesus is not actually a groundhog. (laughs) The candy at Easter is certainly enjoyable, man. We know about it at our house. Uh, the, the candy's good, but uh, Easter is primarily about the resurrection. It's the day when the Christian church has historically celebrated the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And as we celebrate his resurrection this morning, I want to look with you at the account of the resurrection that John gave us in John chapter 20. We're going to read the entire chapter this morning, but let's pray before we read. Father, we thank you for every time, every opportunity to open your word. And Lord, we just freely confess that we are sinners. There's nobody who's perfect here. Uh, Father, we have all made horrible mistakes in our lives. And we don't come before you today because we are good. Uh, We come before you today because we believe that you have given us an incredible gift in sending your son to pay the penalty for our sins and rising again, um, triumphing over those sins so that we might be forgiven through faith in him. So we just 
just come before you today confessing that we are sinners, but believing that we are forgiven through faith in Christ. And we just ask you, Father, to bless this time now, we pray, as we look at the resurrection. We do pray you give us spiritual eyes to see and to understand what you've written here. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw And he believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Amen. We won't cover everything in that chapter this morning. I just really want you to notice two things uh, there, two things in that chapter. And one thing we can find there in that chapter is a lot of seeing and believing. John tells us about four different groups of people there in that chapter. He tells us first about Mary Magdalene. He tells us about Peter and this other disciple. He then tells us about a bunch of disciples. And then finally, he tells us about this disciple named Thomas. Four different groups of people. And in all four cases, John tells us that the people saw some things. John uses the word saw or see or seen 14 different times in that chapter. The chapter is absolutely loaded with seeing verbs. All four groups saw some things. They all saw some kind of visual evidence that indicated to them that Jesus Christ had been risen from the dead in a bodily form, and in all four cases, their seeing led to believing. They saw some things with their eyes, and then they believed in their hearts that Jesus had truly been risen from the dead. Their faith in the bodily resurrection of Jesus was based on some kind of visual evidence and even some some tactile and, and audible evidence they saw and even touched and they heard and then they believed. And let's quickly just run through all four different groups. The first people here who actually see and believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus are two disciples, Peter and this other disciple that Jesus or that John calls the disciple Jesus loved. And we, we know from the rest of the book of John that the disciple Jesus loved was actually John himself. The other disciple with Peter here in this story is John, the one who actually wrote this story. So when John tells you about Peter and this other disciple going and seeing these things, John is actually telling you his own personal experiences with the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Mary Magdalene was actually the first person at the tomb that morning. John says that Mary got there early in the morning when it was dark. She observed that the, the stone had somehow been rolled away from the tomb and that there was no longer a body in the tomb. And Mary then instantly ran off and told Peter and John, they've, they've taken the Lord. They've taken the Lord. We, we don't know where they've laid him. And it was pretty common uh, back in, in first century Israel, pretty common for graves to be robbed. People were typically buried in, in these, in these rock-like tombs, and a lot of times in the sides of cliffs, and a lot of times they were buried with, with valuables in there with them in the tomb, maybe even on their body, different rings or necklaces, and, and thieves would often rob the tombs. So often, in fact, that Emperor Claudius actually passed an edict that said that uh, anyone who robbed a tomb would, would face capital 
punishment. And Mary finds the tomb of Jesus empty here, and she just assumes that the body was stolen. And man, it's really pretty amazing when you think about Mary's reaction here. I mean, Jesus had told his followers repeatedly that he was going to die, and then on the third day, he was going to rise again. But it didn't matter. It it, it didn't matter how many times he told them. They just couldn't get it. They, They just couldn't comprehend that Jesus was really going to die and then actually rise again from the dead on the third day. Mary had probably heard Jesus say that multiple times, and yet here she is on the third day. She goes to the tomb. She finds it empty like Jesus promised. But she doesn't instantly assume resurrection. She instantly assumes robbery. And she runs off to tell Peter and John about it. And they run to the tomb to see for themselves. John says here that they started running together, but then John got to the tomb first. And it's it's actually kind of funny when you really stop and think about what John just told us there, he basically just told us that he whipped Peter in a foot race. <laughs> hey man, we were running to the tomb, Peter and me, and we were neck and neck for about five yards. And uh, then I kicked his tail, and you know, I'm sitting drinking a cup of tea by the time Peter gets there. John tells you about three times that he beat Peter to the tomb. And when John gets to the tomb, here's what he does. If you look in verse five, stooping to look in, He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Corpses were often wrapped with these expensive linen cloths. Uh, There was usually one wrapping of cloths around the body. There was another separate wrapping of cloths around the head. There was usually an open space around the neck. And the body and the, the, the cloths were usually covered with very expensive spices, all over the corpse, these, these expensive spices. John chapter 19 tells us that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea uh, actually used about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of Jesus. And John now sees those spice-covered linen cloths in the tomb. They're probably lying on a, a, a rocky shelf or, or some sort of rocky bench in the tomb uh, where the body had been. And Peter then finally arrives to the tomb and he goes directly into the tomb and he also sees the claws. If you look at the middle of verse 6 again, he saw the linen claws lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, it was John, the disciple, and John tells you, the disciple who had reached the tomb first, he also went in and he saw and believed. He saw and then he believed. And what did he believe at this moment? He believed that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. I think John knows right here, he he wasn't stolen. He was resurrected. It's likely that Peter also believed 
at that point. And man, what was it that ultimately convinced them that the body of Jesus had not been stolen, but been resurrected? I think it was probably the linen cloths. You know, it wasn't just the empty tomb that convinced them. If they arrive here at the tomb and all they find is an empty tomb, they could have concluded that Mary was right. Somebody did steal the body of Jesus. But I think it was the claws. I think it was something about them that convinced them that it wasn't stolen, it was resurrected. And and what was it about these linen claws that convinced them? For starters... (laughs) I think it was probably the fact that the claws were even there. I mean, you think about it. If somebody did come in and steal the body of Jesus, they wouldn't have unwrapped the claws in the tomb. I mean, those claws formed this kind of immense and very thick covering around the corpse. It was very difficult to remove them. And thieves back then never did. They just took everything. The cloths and the spices were very valuable. They, they just took the whole thing. But man, I, I don't think it was just that the cloths were there that convinced them that Jesus had not been stolen but was resurrected. I think it was also probably the way the cloths looked. The particular way that the cloths were lying there in the tomb. If you read John's wording there in, John, in verse 7, it seems that the claws were lying in some sort of orderly fashion. It says the body cloths were lying in one place and the head cloth was lying in another place and it was folded, folded up. Or another translation would be it was rolled up upon itself. And we'll never know exactly what the claws looked like when the disciples saw them. You know, it's possible that those claws, they, 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 they just looked like someone had actually folded them. <laughs> like laundry that just came out of the dryer. Not necessarily at our house, it doesn't get folded. We just shove it in the drawers. But a lot of houses will be folded in there. And you know, if they had seen these, these claws folded, That would have been significant to these men. I mean, you you think about it. If thieves had stolen the body, and if thieves had actually unwrapped the claws for one reason or another, would thieves then have folded the claws all nice and neat when they were done? Probably not. I mean, seriously, have you ever seen a movie where thieves break into a house to steal something? (laughs) It's usually a wreck by the time they're done. I mean, stuff is strewn everywhere. And when they are done, thieves don't typically stop and then clean everything up afterwards. (laughs) Hey, man, we seriously made a mess in this house. You know, grab those t-shirts. we got to fold some laundry. Thieves probably wouldn't have folded the claws. I mean, if they did leave the claws, it probably would have been a mess. So if they did look like they'd been folded by someone, that would have been highly significant to the disciples. I think they probably would have concluded right then that it must have been Jesus who did it. Came back to life. He unwrapped the claws. And he folded them himself when he was done. But there's another possibility here. You know, it, it, it's possible... It's possible that John is not saying there 
that the claws looked like someone had folded them. It's possible that John is saying there that the claws actually looked as if they'd hardly even been disturbed at all. The body claws lying right where the body had been and the head cloth lying right where the head had been. The perfect distance of separation between them where the neck had been and the claws looking to some degree like they were still maybe wrapped around a body. But there's no body. And the claws are now just kind of rolled up on themselves, folded on themselves, almost a cocoon-like appearance. And if that's what the disciples saw, then they would have known instantly the only way that could happen is if Jesus somehow resurrected through the cloths. And I know that sounds a little crazy to you and me, but you know it's possible that that is what happened and what John is trying to tell us there. You know, on two different occasions here in this chapter, Jesus seems to miraculously be able to pass through locked doors after he's resurrected from the grave. <laughs> Not once, but twice, John tells us that in this chapter. And there could certainly be uh, some maybe natural explanations for how Jesus got past those locked doors. But the simplest reading that John has given us there in the book seems to indicate that Jesus somehow passed through the locked doors. And if Jesus could do that, he could easily pass through linen cloths. You know, his resurrection body was still a real flesh and blood body. It was a body that, 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 that ate and drank, talked, it breathed. But it does appear that his resurrected body may have had some sort of new abilities. And if he could pass through locked doors, he could pass through linen cloths. And a lot of commentators believe that is what happened. R.C. Sproul says, I can't explain how Jesus' grave clothes were not disturbed. I think this gives credence to the idea that the resurrected body of Christ was maybe in another dimension of reality. It was still a physical body, but it appears that it had properties it did not have before. D.A. Carson says his resurrection body apparently passed through his grave clothes, spices and all, in much the same way that he later appeared in a locked room. I don't know. We'll never know what these claws actually look like until we get to heaven and ask. <laughs> we won't know whether they look like they'd just been folded by someone or if they look like they'd hardly been disturbed at all. We, we won't know how Jesus was actually resurrected from the dead there, but man, I think something about the way those linen claws appeared triggered something in these two men. And they saw it. And they instantly believed in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And their belief, their belief in his resurrection will soon be confirmed later in this chapter when they actually see Jesus face to face. And these two disciples, they, they saw some sort of physical evidence. And they believed, they then believed in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is risen. 
And Mary Magdalene went through the same type of thing here. Peter and John, it seems that they probably left the tomb before Mary got back to the tomb. And now Mary returns to the tomb and she's weeping, still thinking that someone has stolen the body of Jesus. And in verse 12, John says that she stooped and she saw Two angels in the tomb, and there's a brief exchange between Mary and the angels. And then she turns, and John says that she saw Jesus himself. She doesn't recognize Jesus immediately. It was still probably really early in the morning. Apparently, Jesus' resurrection body looked maybe a little differently than it did when he was suffering before he died. She doesn't recognize him. She thought he was just the gardener. But then Jesus calls her by name. Mary. And and Mary instantly recognizes his voice. Instantly. You know, back in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. Mary's a sheep. She hears the voice of Jesus and instantly, instantly calls out Rabboni, which means my teacher. And she clings to him. And then she runs off. You look at verse 18, Jesus sends her back. Mary Magdalene then went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. (laughs) Mary received visual evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. She even received some audible evidence when he calls her name. She received tactile evidence when she, she clung to him. She receives this evidence and then she believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is risen. I've seen him. And the same thing then happens to the rest of the disciples. Thomas wasn't there at the time, but the other disciples were all together now. Peter, John, they're with the other disciples here. The rest of the disciples are are all there. John says the door was locked. And John says in verse 19 that Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. How freaky would that have been? (laughs) Could you imagine that? You'd seen this man brutally crucified a couple days before. You'd run away. You were so scared. They're still hiding in fear here. And to see him in front of you, and you'd you'd be freaking out. And to hear him say, peace be with you. And then look what he did in verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad. They rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And once again, once again, man, they saw visual evidence of the resurrected Jesus. They saw him with their own two eyes. They saw his scarred hands. They, they saw his scarred side. And then they believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is risen. And then it finally happened to Thomas. So you look at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
And eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was now with them. Although the doors were locked, John says again, Jesus came and stood among them and again said, Peace be with you. And then Jesus, knowing what Thomas has said, speaks directly to Thomas here. Thomas, put your finger here and see my hand. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And right then Thomas believes. And he cries out, my Lord and my God. He worships him. And one final time, someone has now seen visual evidence of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Thomas saw Jesus with his own two eyes. He saw his scarred hands. He saw his side. He may have even touched those scars. Tactile evidence. And then he believed. Jesus is risen. And Thomas didn't just believe that Jesus was risen. Thomas believed that Jesus' resurrection was an indication of Jesus' deity. It was an indication that Jesus was God in human flesh. Who else could die and rise again from the dead but God? He calls out my Lord and my God. And man, John has now given us four distinct groups of people here in this chapter. All four groups, John says, they all saw some kind of visual evidence that indicated to them that Jesus had risen from the dead in bodily form. And their seeing led to believing. Their belief in the resurrection was based on based on empirical evidence, experiential evidence. Their belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus was not a blind leap into the dark. Well, I don't know if Jesus did or didn't rise again, you know, but I'm just going to trust, and I'm just going to leap out into the dark here, and, well, maybe he rose from the dead. It was not a blind leap into the dark. They did not make this leap of faith without any evidence whatsoever, It was a leap of faith from evidence. They had seen certain things, touched certain things, held certain things. It was right there in front of them experientially. They had evidence and they made a leap of faith from evidence. And man, did they ever believe. Do you realize that most of these people were ultimately martyred saying that they believed Jesus was risen from the dead? If these people had made it up, who dies for a lie like that? They were all martyred for what they said they had seen and heard and touched. A risen Jesus. Seeing and believing. It's one thing we find here in this chapter. And the second thing we find here. Not seeing and believing. Thomas, the... Last disciple there, man, he, he's, he's adamant. <laughs> Unless I see this guy, I will not believe. No way. Unless I see him face to face, unless I touch him. And you know, some of us heard, have heard this story so much that the goriness kind of, you, you, you lose track of how gory this is. Unless I stick my finger in the scars, 
I won't believe. I need that evidence in front of me. And Jesus, man, he mercifully appears to Thomas and he gives Thomas what he was asking for. Thomas did eventually see the risen Jesus. He touched and heard the risen Jesus and then he believed finally in the resurrection of Jesus. But did you catch what Jesus said to Thomas? You look at it again. You look at it again. It's in verse 29. Jesus said to Thomas, after Thomas believed, he said, have you believed, Thomas, because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And you know what? Jesus is talking right there about people like you and me. You know, unfortunately, we won't have the privilege of seeing the resurrected body of Jesus with our own two eyes. Not in this lifetime anyway. The Bible says you will see Him in heaven, but you won't see Him in this lifetime. You don't get to touch His physical body in this lifetime. You don't get to hear His voice in this lifetime. That privilege was only for those people in the first century. And man, that means that if we are going to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we are going to have to believe sight unseen. It's not going to be a seeing and believing. It will have to be not seeing and yet believing. But listen, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that, that you have to take a blind leap in the dark when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. It doesn't mean that you, that you have to now leap out there and say, well, I have no evidence whatsoever concerning the, the resurrection of Jesus. I'm just going to leap out there and trust anyway. It, it doesn't mean that you have to take a leap without any evidence whatsoever. No, you, you, you still have evidence when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. It's just a different type of evidence than those people in the first century had. You don't have first-hand visual, audible, tactile evidence. You don't have that type of evidence to consider and, and kind of weigh it out. You have a written evidence to consider. You have a written evidence to consider right here in the Bible. You know, there is, there's evidence for the resurrection of Jesus outside of the Bible that you can consider. Plenty of historical records that support the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Things like that that you can look into and consider. But man, this right here is the most important source of evidence for you to consider. Man, because do you know what you find here in the Bible? Do you, do you know what you find here? As you read through the different books of the Bible, you find lots and lots and lots of people who are saying to you, we saw him. We saw him. We saw the risen Jesus. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. We saw him crucified. 
And then we saw him alive again. We saw him. Seen the risen Lord. Do you realize that's the number one thing that John is trying to tell you here in John chapter 20? That's what he's saying to us over and over and over again. He's saying, we saw him. We saw him. Peter and I saw him. Mary Magdalene saw him. The other disciples saw him. Thomas saw him. It's what John is trying to tell us. We saw Jesus alive on the other side of the tomb. And man, John is not the only Bible writer who says that. There's so many Bible writers who say, we saw Jesus alive. Man, Matthew says it in his book, we saw him. Mark says it in his book, we saw him. Luke says it, we saw him. Paul says it in his letters. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Jesus appeared. He appeared to Peter. And then he appeared to to the other 12 disciples. And then then Jesus appeared to over 500 disciples, Paul said, on one occasion. And And then Jesus appeared to James. And then Jesus appeared to me. We saw him. And Peter says it in his letter. 2 Peter 1.16, Peter says, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And it's all over the place. All over, all kinds of people in the Bible proclaiming to you over and over again, we have seen the risen Jesus. Touched him. We have heard him. Jesus is written. And those eyewitnesses, they gave you this written witness. They gave you a, a unified testimony here. A written testimony. We saw him. Man, you, you and I, we, we don't have firsthand visual evidence to consider, but we do have the written evidence to consider, the written testimony. And, and the simple question is this Will you believe their testimony? Will you believe what all of these different people have said? Will you believe it? You know, are they, are they all telling a lie? Is it all fiction? Or is it possible that they're all telling the truth? Will you believe their testimony? Will you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus sight unseen? And you know, you, you might be sitting here today and saying, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. It's hard for me to believe in something just primarily on the basis of some written testimony. You know, maybe, maybe you're like Thomas. <laughs> you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, unless, unless I see him, unless I touch him, unless I hear him, Unless I have that, 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 that experiential evidence of him. I just, I just don't think I can believe in the resurrection. It's, it's hard for me to believe in something primarily on the basis of just some written testimony. And man, if, if that is you here this morning, and you struggle to believe in the resurrection of Jesus just on the basis of, of testimony, you know what? I can understand that. 
I understand that. It's okay. It's okay for you to wrestle with that. It, it, it just seems easier to us to actually see something and, and hold it and hear it. And I can believe that. I can believe I had eggs this morning because I tasted them. And it just seems harder to believe something just on the basis of written testimony. Man, I understand if that is you. But please listen to me. You, you, you can believe in something primarily on the basis of just a written testimony. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe George Washington was the first president of the U.S.? Do you believe that? And if you believe that, why, why do you believe that? Because you never saw George Washington as president. <laughs> you never heard him as president. You never touched him as president. You know, you've never even seen a photograph of him as president. You've seen paintings of George Washington as president, but you've seen paintings of Jesus risen from the dead. You've not seen a photograph of George Washington as the first president of the United States. And if you believe it, well, you believe it primarily on the basis of written testimony. Things people wrote or paintings they painted. You believe it sight unseen. You received some written evidence about George Washington as president, and you were convinced that the evidence was true, and you now believe it. So will you believe this written evidence? Will you believe this written testimony? Will you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus, sight unseen? Will you believe in Jesus, sight unseen? Do you believe Do you know if you do believe here? Do you know if you do believe this morning? Jesus says here that you are blessed. Did you catch what he said? Blessed are those who don't see. Blessed are those who don't have the privilege of seeing my resurrected body face to face. Blessed are those who don't have the visual evidence and yet they still believe. Blessed are they. Thomas, blessed are they. And if you believe in the resurrected body of Jesus today, if you believe in Jesus, sight unseen, Jesus says, you are blessed. You are highly blessed. And how? What, what, what ways are you highly blessed right now? Man, you are blessed a ton of different ways. Let me name just one. How are you blessed right now if you believe in Jesus, sight unseen? Life. Life. Did you see what John wrote at the very end of the chapter, if you look at it again? Verse 30. John says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you might have life in his name. (laughs) You know, John knew. He knew that you and I would not be able to see the resurrected body of Jesus. So he wrote it down. 
He wrote it down and he gave us his written testimony of the things that he and the others had seen. He wrote it down in order that we might believe. (laughs) John, man, John could see and believe. But he wrote it all down so that people like you and me who could not see would maybe be able to not see and yet still believe. We could read and believe. We, we, could, we could read about Jesus and the things He said and did. We could read about His death. We could read about His resurrection. We, we could kind of read and see through the eyes of John and see through the others and seeing those things we could believe. And John says that by believing, by believing in Jesus, sight unseen, you have life. You have life. You have life eternal, the Bible says. John 10.10, Jesus says, Jesus says, I have come to give life and to give life abundantly. Man, and that's, that's why he came. That's, that's the simple gospel story. Jesus came to give life. Because of our sin, the Bible says that we were all dead. We're dead inside because of our sins. The Bible says that death is payment or the wages for our sins. We are spiritually dead inside. And we're separated from the God who loves us. And if we die in that condition, if we die physically when our spirits are dead in sin... The Bible says that we will then experience an eternal death separated from God forever and ever. But because of God's love for us, he sent his son Jesus, God the son in human flesh. Jesus lived a sinless life, but then he willingly took our sin upon himself. Jesus took our death upon himself. Jesus took the payment, the wages For our sin, dying on the cross. But the good news today, man, is that Jesus rose again from the dead. And you know what? When Jesus rose again from the dead, he conquered our sin. He conquered death for us. (laughs) And the Bible says that now every person who believes in him, every person who believes in the risen Christ, sight unseen, is forgiven. And man, the second you do that in your life, you have life. You have eternal life. You have abundant life in your heart. Your spirit is no longer dead, but alive. The Bible says that you have now become a new creation. The spirit of Jesus is actually living inside of you. The resurrected life of Jesus is now living inside of you. You're still not a perfect person. (laughs) I'm clearly not. Ask my wife. But you have life inside of you. And man, the really good news is that the Bible says Jesus is coming back again. And when Jesus does come back again, the Bible says that every person who believed in the risen Christ will then also rise out of their tombs in glorified bodies. And we will then live with Jesus forever. No more pain, the Bible says. No 
more tears, no more death, just joy forever and ever in his presence. That's amazing. That's the message of Easter, man. The, the, the candy's great. The candy's great. I'll take it. You got candy at your house, bring it over. I will eat it. But man, the best news is Christ is risen. Blessed are all who do not see him and yet believe. I pray that God would help you believe this written testimony in order that you might be blessed. Blessed with abundant and eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for thank you for the simple truth of the gospel. We thank you, Lord. We know that it's, uh, uh, it, it feels crazy at times to believe in something that we, we, we've not seen with our naked eyes or not touched with our hands, not, not uh, uh, heard with our ears. And yet, God, you, you have changed us through Jesus. I just thank you. You have changed me through Jesus to think of what I once was, Lord God, and the change that you brought into my life through Jesus, the resurrected Christ. And Father, I do ask that you just, you'd help us, Lord. You'd help us, Father, I pray. Give us faith. Give us faith to believe. Give us faith, Lord God, to trust uh, so that we might be blessed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.